historical notes chapter a and chapter h updates give it a whirl it will turn you on i'm hooked on the swedish and i don't mean ikea i mean the volunteers Go and get one before they're all gone. Give it a whirl. Get your ASL on. I'm hooked on the Swedish. And I don't mean IKEA. I mean the volunteers. Yeah, I don't mean IKEA. I mean the volunteers said I'm hooked on a feeling for the Swedish. Maybe that ABBA band. say dave that was very excellent effort there on that song well done well when you can't sing you know what the trick is belt it out go for it yep just do it well i think it turned out really well and lyrics by dennis donovan of course he's cranking them out he's like a music factory he is he sent two versions of the lyrics and i just went with version one on that one he's like the bernie toppin of the asl world oh the guy that wrote for elton john yeah which would make you Elton John, I guess. Uh-huh. Do you remember my home movie about the Elton John song, Funeral for a Friend? Um, you better say yes or I'll make you watch it yes. again. Oh, yes, I remember it vividly. <laughs> With the grave, we... 
Oh yeah, right. They had. We went to film. It was Paul Shukin's idea. Paul. <laughs> Did he send us money? No. Okay. And stay away from the bell. It opened with the. We had it had edited the music down to three and a half minutes because that was a reel of Super Eight film. That's right. And yeah, we we got to, we were gonna film some grave diggers and then like zombie stuff. So and it was a kind of slapsticky, the monkeys kind of funny things going on right where the coming out from behind the tree and all this stuff with stop motion, for, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and then we got to that monastery, and get this, listeners, they were moving the caskets, oh. and no one was there on a Sunday. Whoa. We showed up at this place. We were just going to film by the gravestones and make it look like we were digging up graves, but we literally were able to get into a grave. Wow. That would be spooky. Yeah. Well, it was, we were just all like super oh, yeah. cool. Yeah. This is cool. So they were actually moving the graves. Yeah, it was out at a monastery off of, for local listeners, 83 and somewhere else. So when I was real little, we went there. With our church, my mom took us with a group of, I don't know if we were VBS or what, but we went, was it a day camp? Was it a summer uh, church school? And we went to this monastery, and they were asking us, the priests and the monks were there, and they were telling us about their life. And then they asked us a question. And a guy came out with a mic, he says, what do you want to be? And for some reason, my young self said, I want to be a boxer or a fighter, which, you know, my mom was just slightly mortified oh. at the violence yeah. oozing out of my pores and the hatred. So there. Just so there. <laughs> now, how do I post a still? You digressed. How do I post a still from the movie on the podcast? Oh, yeah, that's a good question. How? Oh, you'll Take figure it out. a picture of it. You're a clever guy. I know you're going to figure it out. If you guys want to come all over and watch it at my house, let me know. Yeah. Did you uh, celebrate Halloween, speaking of ghouls and all that? You know. It's come and gone. I and see that mask there, Jeff. Yeah. That was my... I, I had a client who said... Uh, my good client said... Um, we were all... A bunch of us talking, and she said, what's your favorite Halloween candy? And I said... I, I didn't even miss a breath. I said, popcorn balls. Oh. And she said... What are popcorn balls? And I oh. said, oh, popcorn balls are great. And somebody else said, yeah, popcorn balls are, are really good. So she went out, did some looking, and had to find some. But she said, she called me. She said, okay, I found popcorn balls, but you have to wear a mask to the office on Halloween. Oh, and she would bring them? So And she would bring them. So I did, and she did, and I ate popcorn balls and wore this nice mask, and um, it was a big hit. And we are going to post a picture of you in that mask. Yeah, I'd love it. On the I, show. I hope there's popcorn balls. I'm going back this week. I hope there's leftover popcorn balls. But yeah, we didn't uh, we didn't really have any trick or treaters here. I don't think we had any at all because this year. Well, it snowed. Snowed four or five inches. I think it was four. Uh-huh. Yeah. So a little disappointing, but. Why, Jeff? It was four inches. If it was a. F- foot yeah or oh, something like that if it was an inch oh, wait yeah <laughs> is the first number greater than the second number? I, I don't know i don't know if there's a rule for that <laughs> i went over to a friend's house and he's got an 18 year old son who was dressed up in authentic romanian cold war 
army outfit. He had the pants, the boots. Oh. And this kid is really <clears throat> into it's. It's so interesting to watch kids that age. Well, at least this particular kid. Because he hates everything except what he's into. And then he is. <laughs> loves it. He loves it and can t- talk to you about it for an hour. He knew that the model numbers of all the pants. These pants are the RS219s and the jacket is the GT5QD. <laughs> now, I, I was going to get the GT5QC, but it only has buttons halfway down. And I then that was only in use till 1967. And this one is in until 1972. Yeah. I mean, he knew everything about the Romanian army. And apparently the, the Romanians didn't change their their uniforms for 40 years. And there's lots of army surplus of this stuff, so he could get it all relatively inexpensive. And he plays airsoft. So he also has big guns that look like real guns. And he likes to run around with his helmet on and gas mask and... Pretend like it's Cold War. Really interesting. So, and unfortunately, his dad, my friend, has no interest in any of that stuff. So, he can't sit. He can't sit him down and say, "Come on, let's watch Failsafe or let's watch." I don't know what other Cold <laughs> yeah, War movies of, there yeah, were. Lots of with fun that Cold exact War uniform number. In yeah. It. Yep. So yeah, too bad. But anyway, it was fun. Uh, Seeing somebody dressed up. Well, I was I was Mister um, Rogers, and Laura was Mister McFeely. So, and she made a good Mister McFeely. I couldn't find a suit to fit me to make a Mister McFeely. You know, speedy delivery, speedy delivery. I don't know, Mister McFeely. Was he on Mister Rogers? Yes. Yeah, so oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. So we suddenly, I was trying to. I bought a red sweater for her it was a little frilly you know and she's like i can't be mr rogers in that sweater and i'm like well <laughs> just fold it under or you mean mrs rogers there's a novel ah, idea. yeah and then um i looked around the house i remember oh i have dad's christmas sweater somewhere from when ah, he perfect away. i found this <laughs> i I'm even editing out your laughter. I always still, if I do something weird and you laugh, I just edit it all out. Yeah, good. Um, I found my dad's red Christmas sweater and wore it and with a wig. And my dad used to wear it to pay. And we got to my sister's party and my niece really started unloading on me. Just talking like we've never talked so deeply. And then she even was crying about something and we're talking and and uh, then she's like, I think it's because you look like Papa in this red sweater. Oh, <laughs> that she's yeah. All emotional and telling me her 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 life's issues. And so it was kind of nice to have her sharing so yeah. deeply. Yeah. But may, Laura made a great Mr. McFeely. We, we made a Mr. Speedy delivery label and everything. We had a... Fifth, and what did you do? You just walked around the house? No, we go like to or? my sister's party every year. Oh, okay. Which is getting harder and harder to do a costume for. We were so lazy a couple of years ago. I just went to the school and we had these choir robes from doing a play, a school play. Mm-hmm. Where there's a church choir in the background. I, got, I grabbed two set of robes. Yeah. That works. Yep. 
That's a little lazy, though. But, you know, I used to get into it, and I used to make myself a Celtic warrior. Remember when I was doing all my... Well, you weren't around then, but you know I have all those 15-millimeter arms. Oh, yeah. I was learning about them. Oh, the ancient Celts, and they wore a helmet like this, and and this kind of striped fabric. And I actually, like, made a, a whole outfit. Wow. Made a sword. Paper mache <laughs> wasn't really good, you know. Well, you don't want to hurt anybody. No. <laughs> and we had... 15 to 20 trick-or-treaters. Oh. Down only maybe by a third. But see, we have sidewalks. Yeah, we don't have sidewalks. Yep. And you're far set back yeah. from the street. So with and the snow, we turn all the lights off. <laughs> that's the symbol. Don't come to our house. It is. the sign. Hey, you know what I didn't hear about at all this year was a Scary Clown Guy. Oh, yeah, remember the... Scary Clowns, was that last year or two it, years ago? It wasn't related to Halloween particularly, remember? Oh, it wasn't? Yeah. No, it okay. was a fall thing. Yeah. Because school clowns started just... in August. Yeah. So it was over the summer. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. yeah, no sightings of clowns. I watched It. Oh, how was that? Not as scary as I thought. I've kind of been avoiding scary films. I got freaked out a couple times. I don't know, when I was in my thir- late 30s, 40s. I mean, I grew up on The Exorcist, going to the theater when I was 12 or 13 with my dad. Loved, of course, all the universal horror things. But then I got spooked by 13 Ghosts and some other film. Mm -hmm. And the other thing that freaked me out was, like, Goodfellas, because it was, like, real. Yeah. You know, do do these guys really do this to people? I don't know. And I took a long break, and then I've slowly been going back into horror films. Ah. Yeah. Modern horror films. Yes. Yeah. Don't really like those. Well, it, I was like, I don't just need a hack and slasher. But, spoiler alert, it is not a scary clown. Oh. Oh, do you want to hear this? Sure. He's an like some alien monster. Oh, really? Yes. Okay. So it kind of took some of the scary edge off. Like E.T.? Kind of like E.T. Well, there's a group of kids, like, fighting him. Oh. So, I don't know. Hmm. Kind of like Stranger Things. Yeah. I love Stranger Things. Yeah, Stranger no, Things okay. is okay. Yeah. yeah, but it was less scary than I thought it would be. I kind of and I was at out. home watching it on like the the screen, a small computer screen, yeah, in a lit up room. Yeah. So it's not the same. I kind of gave up on scary movies after watching The Grudge. I think I got about fifteen minutes into The Grudge. It came out maybe ten years ago. Just hackers slash. Uh, no, I'm not even sure what it was about, but it, you know, it was kind of, kind of, kind of came out at the time of, uh, the ring. Did you see the ring? No. Okay. You're missing these. How about Blair Witch? Yes. My dad, for some reason, loved that and he never likes those kind of films in the yeah, theater. That scared me. It did? Yeah. No. Didn't scare you? I didn't buy it. Really? Yeah. Weird. Hard to say. But I didn't see it in the theater. Oh, we saw it in the theater. Packed theater. Okay. Yeah. wonder if that has a lot of effect. Yeah, it could be. It's like going to an ASL tournament. <laughs> it's like playing ASL with all those guys screaming and stuff. It's a different experience than just sitting in, <laughs> like, Rich Spilkey's basement listening to easy listening music. <laughs> and all those glasses clinking. Yeah. Oh, speaking of, remember, folks, clink and drink. Clink and drink. We've got these special shot glasses that Dave came up with. Brilliant, Dave. Brilliant. And they are available until they are gone, and there are only 14. 
There are only 14 of these. So, Hopefully they're not gone by the time you hear this. Yeah, but. email us first, Gmail us. We'll tell you if we got one available to send out, yeah. and then you can make a $20 donation. Oh, that's Continental US. I think we forgot to say that last show. Yes. Oh, darn. I'll put it in the write-up. Hopefully someone will read it. Yeah. If And I'm sure if somebody from overseas really wants one, they'll pay the extra for the postage. That'll work out. And now a short word from our sponsor, Bounding Fire Productions. Bounding Fire Productions. Listen, go to boundingfire.com. It's all about the internet these days, but you got to do it. You got to go to boundingfire.com because that's where you're going to find some great ASL products. They make a bunch of products like Into the Rubble 2, Beyond the Beachhead 2, High Ground 2. Objective Schmidt, Corrigador the Rock, which just came out recently. If you don't have it, that's the place to go get it. Bounding Fire Productions. They also sell LaFranc Terrier products on, through their site. And a lot of great stuff. Always high quality. And you can always get it at Bounding Fire. You'll thank us. Hey, Dave, i got to ask you a question. Yes, sir? What? First of all, what are you pouring into that glass? A little more unicum from last show. <laughs> I like the way you... Don't tell. You lick the edge of the bottle because don't, it's going to drip. Don't tell Adam I did that. Okay. Ooh. Oh, you're drinking this. You like it. Wow. There it goes. When will I ever have it again? Well, if you keep on substitute teaching. I'll have extra money. You'll have extra money and you'll want an extra I'll drink. travel to Hungary. Yeah. That was purchased in Hungary, by the way. Oh, it was. Yeah. Weren't we just talking about Hungarian uniforms? We were. Well, Romanian. Romanian. But anyway, what have you been uh, music? <laughs> what have you been playing lately? We'll put it in. What have you been playing lately? And Mexico and Morocco. What? Yes, you know that great theme song we listen to, Hooked on the Swedish? Yeah. It is from it is a scenario SV9. Do you know what SV stands for? Swedish Volunteers. Oh. Swedish Volunteers. I flashed Jeff a peace sign trying to say Volunteers. <laughs> it is I by it. Martin Zvard. It is in Jandeba, Russia, 1942. And this one's a little interesting and fun. It's similar to that last one I did, which I'm sure I did last show. No, two shows ago. Um, where there are... And I tweeted this all out, so you can check our Twitter feed for pictures. Um, maybe I'll tack them onto this but i gotta put up a picture of you in that mask jeff and it is a nice half board it is five and a half turns dave timonen came over well, i think the last game i talked about was ice war i talked about huns of steel yeah I think with so. mike rizzi and he beat me at the end or did i just tweet that out i I'm think you just confused. tweeted that yeah actually i think you well, just tweeted that see i had it in the stack but on the reverse side was the next scenario to play so i thought maybe i left it out for ah. that well in that game in case i didn't say it uh mike huns of steel i couldn't I, I took over one bridgehead i couldn't take the other one all mike's tanks could come and back up the second bridgehead uh, it was fun. We did it in two and a half sittings. And ultimately, I like to say I got diced a little. He rolled a lot of fives on the tank kills, you know, when you mm. can only kill it on a six or less or something yeah. like that. Yeah. And you're thinking, oh, 
We'll never roll a six or less, and yeah. that's the first <sighs> kill roll. Um, but I also nice, didn't play well. Nice. So I would say for that game, Huns of Steel, you have these small vehicles, cars, armored cars. Well, well, the tankettes, whatever they were, you know, CMGs and a machine gun. and That's for our small cannon and good machine gun. That's designed to go get infantry. Yeah. And I'm sending them up against some tanks, hoping I'll get the five or less uh, first. Yeah. And that didn't happen. That's... So I'm kind of like, why did I do that? I needed that to support an infantry push. So I'd recommend use those vehicles on an infantry push up the middle and... Then just dice the other guy on the equal up tank battles, and the game could go any way at all. Yeah. So, but it was fun, and Mike Rizzi's a great play, player and gamer, as you know. Yes, we've he been is. seeing a lot of them lately. Yeah, we have. We? Yeah, we've been playing that uh, great campaigns of the American Civil War. Played three of those so far. Yes, which are very and, interesting. Although you missed the third one. I missed the third one. Yeah, fourth one, third one. But in that game and i don't want to listen to tell anybody about it but did we tell you about my cav charge no he has to get wagons the union has to get wagons to these cities for supply okay the wild battle of the wilderness civil war and the confederates i had this cav waiting over here well you roll 2d6 to have the cav move the union moved out ahead of its wagons and i'm sitting there you know uh, 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 just left the wagons there sort of undefended yeah what if he leaves the wagons there and i'm like i'm gonna scythe in there like the germans going through belgium into france and (laughs) get those wagons well i finally i just you know uh, oh it's another turn there there now if we win initiative now and we win it next and maybe next because remember you roll for initiative Right. Yep. Maybe I can get these things. Um, and there I went, and I rolled like an 11 to move. Oh. Could have rolled a four. Yeah. Right? Sure. Plus two, whatever. And then I rolled another like like nine. Oh. And Did you get those wagons? Two turns, I hit those wagons. Oh, dang. So very Well, oh, they cool. must have been a little upset. They were thinking the game was over. Yeah, which it wasn't. This was yeah. still like... Yeah, eleven, twelve. We don't play very quickly. Or it's a leisurely game yeah. with lunch, delicious lunch and you know fun camaraderie. Um, but those points help. But in the end, I usually have to leave before they finish, right around three or four. And they, uh, in fact, that day it was the Halloween party. My sister, oh so yeah, I had to take off and get the costumes going and get out to my mom's for dinner on the way to the party. Take care of my mom, and um, you know Mike's. Troops with Lee moved on over and blocked Grant coming into the wilderness. And, and, and they won. And they won. First. The South won. Yep. Oh, good. But back to Mexico and yes, Morocco. Mexico and why is it called Mexico and Morocco? Because there were two strong points built up by the fin, the Swedes. Sorry. There are often Finns involved in these scenarios. Um, and they were named, codenamed Mexico and Morocco. I don't know what that translates in Swedish. Mexico and Morocco. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> um, but okay. that was... Oh, actually, it's printed here. Well, it looks like Mexico in a foreign language. And Morocco with M-A-R-O-C-K-O. Ah, okay. So there we go. Um, and there were two battle groups. 
Stop Japong to Mexico and Stop Japong to Morocco. That's my Swedish words for it. And he, they had the Russians are coming on. You place both of these like strongholds. They give you the rows they have to be on, so one has to be forward. I think that one's always going to fall. I'd say players plan for that to fall. I kind of thought I'd be evacuating. And, of course, I got cut off and lost troops in there. First bad thing to go. And then a chain of, uh, or however you want to put up, minefields to be distributed. Mm. Um, And then the Russians, in came Dave Timonen as the Russians. It's just, you know, a dozen squads, a medium, a couple lights. And you set up two sappers at the beginning on a wire counter. And then the sappers immediately, like in the prep fire phase, eliminate the wire and whatever else is in the hex. So don't set up infantry with that wire. Mm. Okay? Oh. And or they're eliminated. And so, but they they're blowing holes through the wire first turn. They automatically get two openings. Huh. So it's recreating a historical setup. Okay. There was a bombardment. The Swedes looked out and then realized, oh, these sappers have come close. Look out, everybody! And then they still have a DC to use also somewhere. Ah. To actually place. And there's dummy minefield. So read your dummy minefield rules. <laughs> this has 24 minefield factors. And zero dummy minefield factors. And it's been so long since I played dummy minefields. I'm going, they forgot to put the fit number of factors. <laughs> or at least counters. How many dummy counters do I get? Because they represent nothing, but I need counters. Right? It can't be one. Well, read the rule. Yeah. It's, we covered the rules not that long ago. We not, I don't, did we, didn't we? Dummy minefields? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, you're right. We did. Yeah. So you, yeah, yeah. you get a certain amount. So don't read the rules. Just go back and listen to that episode. <laughs> there you go. Um, and then it was, he took that first, uh, oh, to win, sorry, they can yeah, exit tw- 12 victory points, or I'll reduce it by two for each hex containing a trench that the Russians take. Well, there's six trenches, so two times... Six is 12, by my calculation. Yes, it is. They can win by taking all the trenches, which I think might be hard because there's reinforcements for the Swedes that can fill into one of those trench areas. Um, or they can try and run off board, which can also be hard. can be. You know, yeah. you got to yeah. be faster. You may have to run through the open to get off. And in the end, he you can see the Twitter feed. He went berserk. Got into one of my defensive hexes and then prep fired with this medium machine gun with even a plus or two for some intervening orchard. Got, I don't know what it was, a normal check with my heroic neg leader. He made it pinned maybe, wounded maybe. Oh, okay, I got the leader still. And, of course, what happened to the two squads under him? DM. Yep, broke. DM. Broken DM. So Um, I lost again. Episode 219. Just back in April, we covered mines. Oh, just back in April. Yeah. Wow. A mere... Boy. Whatever that was. Time flies. Yeah, it does. So that's what I've been playing lately, sir. You had anything else you've been playing? Uh, Non-ASL or ASL? Non-ASL, yes. I played with Mike Rizzi. played Galactic Empire. Or is it Space Empire? 
maybe it's Space Empire, uh, which is an inter interesting game of going out and exploring space. And uh, we, the way we had it set up, and it was the first time we played, so we were kind of working through the rules. We set up kind of far apart, so we actually went through about seven or eight turns without ever battling each other, and it, it was getting late. So we quickly raced our forces together so we could have one battle, and he eliminated all of my forces in the hex. Ah. So I demand a rematch, which we're going to do. But new system for you to learn? Yeah, new system. And it's pretty it's pretty quick to learn. Yeah, it goes along well. A lot of uh, bookkeeping with it. You need to... You need to be keeping track of a lot of different resources and things like that, but that's okay. Yeah, it still moves along. Different kind good. of game. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, ASL, no, I haven't been playing any ASL lately, but there's something coming up in my near future. So, Excellent. And another one of our sponsors is Broken Ground Design. Oh, yes. Love Broken Ground. We've been enjoying reviewing their wonderful products of those colored ASL counters. And new nationalities you can find there, too, that you can't get with the regular ASL stuff. Romanians. He's also coming up with the new Pacific. And you can go to that website and check it out there. And the Pacific armies are going to include Philippine troops separately. Sweet. So you're going to get that and other new armies available. So if you love ASL, go to the website. It's a little bit different, so get this down. It's brokenground.design. Go there today. What you got there, Dave? Kind of a book review. I don't know. We've been kind of doing no. these a little bit on Spine and Sprocket. We used to do um, re movie reviews on the Half Squads. Yeah. You have talked about some books in a little detail in our banter. Mm-hmm. But let's, can we talk about this now? Sure. The Other Nuremberg, The Untold Story of the Tokyo War Trials by Arnold C. Brackman. Oh. And... Um, Overall, I'm a big fan. I probably wouldn't have brought it tonight, right? So, do you know a lot about the war trials of the Japanese? Really, no. Nothing. Yeah, but do you know a lot about Nuremberg? Or more about Nuremberg? Yeah, probably some. Yes, I know some. Of course, Nuremberg is much more famous. And so, this is a very valuable book in terms of bringing this story out. In fact, he calls it, the other Nuremberg, the untold story of the Tokyo War Crimes Trials. And so going into this, I was thinking, yeah, I know very little. Uh, in the films I show at school, The Century, they do a two- to three-minute clip. Now everything is, of course, short, and they're doing the whole century. And uh, but, but it's at, at the end of the war. Nuremberg gets more time than the Tokyo trials. They do say the Japanese were put on trial. There were executions with some, you know, footage of that. And mm. so my students hear it and learn it, um, but very briefly. Um, so I just highlighted a few things I thought I would read out and share. Okay. Um, like page 33, War Criminals at Bay. This is the opening chapter. Allied surrender terms came down to four basic demands. Demobilization of the Japanese armed forces, Allied occupation of Japan, elimination, quote, for all time of those who have deceived and misled the people of Japan, and, was this for, the trial of the Japanese war criminals. And the tenth paragraph said, stern justice shall be meted out to all war criminals. 
The reference to war criminality appeared to be the least important of the demands. It was listed last. Um, but in the secret debate among Japanese leaders in Tokyo, what do you think became the paramount issue? The, the trials. Yep. Yeah. And to them, the Potsdam Proclamation implied the trial not only of those who had committed conventional war crimes, like mass murder of POWs and civilians, but also poly- policymakers at the highest levels of government. This is a direct threat to the leaders of Japan, perhaps even the emperor. Tokyo already had a vivid example of what the Allies had in mind after watching the trials at Nuremberg. Mm. So I thought that was interesting. To us, oh, trials, yeah, it's number four. To them, it became a huge issue. Of course, the people making that decision would be the people going on trial, I suppose. Right? So, um, I highlighted this part. The task of selecting who to indict um, was placed in the hands of prosecutors' executive committee. um, And... They were just kind of saying Keenan was this guy who was involved. He was saying the choices had to stand up in history. You know, we had to be very careful to make the right choices here of who to put on trial and who not to. And that was easier said than done. On uh, one occasion, Admiral Okada, a former premier and leader of the pre-war peace faction, told prosecutors he had devoted years of his life unsuccessfully to attempting to find where the real responsibility rested. Because right, the, was it the emperor? Was it these military leaders? And... And so he's pointing out the government traditionally operated behind a shoji screen in a dangerous game of shifting combinations and alliances between families and political factions, including secret societies and military cliques. In that situation, it was anyone's guess who held true reins of power in Japan. Was the emperor a puppet or a puppeteer? And MacArthur points out, was very adamant. I knew this before. He he was he kind of understood the Asian cultures and Japanese culture a bit. Um, he was stationed in the Philippines, as you know, for so long. Right. That to put him on trial, the emperor would would be a horrible thing. Yeah. Right. He's kind of part god and and things like that. That was kind of brought out in that movie. Did you see that movie with Yeah, which uh, one? Tommy Lee Jones played MacArthur. And uh, oh, the other guy yes. from Lost played, and and, yes. it, and it was about tracking down some of these war criminals. And you are Ma- right, and it was a romance in it. MacArthur, yes, and MacArthur oh, met with the emperor right at the end. Yes, and they said, I remember the Japanese, uh, the guys that were preparing MacArthur to meet the emperor said, you know, be sure and you know look down and don't shake his hand and all this stuff. And then Tommy Lee Jones went right in and shook his hand. And oh, yes. He said, we need to talk about uh, how we're going to rebuild your country. Yeah, I thought it was a very good movie. It was. I remember uh, it. And I, we did talk about it on yeah, there before. Yeah, had some really good moments in it. Yeah, we didn't formally review it. but No. Yeah. Um, this page 86 is just kind of pointing out, you know, that here these guys are, stripped of power and pomp, robbed of their dignity for the most part, appear to be a group of tired old men who would have moved unnoticed on any Tokyo street. And yet, just before... You know, here they were, emperor's advisors, field marshals, admirals, yeah. cabinet ministers, financial wizards, and policy mythmakers yep. confined to cheerless cells. Such is life, eh? Yeah. They're just people. They're just, they're, they are. They're just people. They're just you know? people. 
And then it, the book also gets into mentioning a little bit about the Kellogg Briand War Pact. Did you ever hear about that thing? Mm, don't think so. It's a ban war. And it was in the textbooks, and I taught it a little bit to kids, but I didn't fully understand it quite as much. But they were looking at how to prosecute these cases. And Japan had signed the Kellogg Briand Pact in 1928 and an outlawed war. And he stressed, therefore, war was no longer a discretionary prerogative of the 62 nations that had signed the treaty. And then there was an argument that the indictment was faulty because it went back to the this Mukden incident in China, but this guy held that it was a legal absurdity for the leaders of a nation to order their armed forces to carry out warlike acts and then absolve themselves by arguing that because they had omitted a declaration of war, there had been no war. And so you get into all these wonderful little arguments and, and about, you know, is that a crime? Is this a crime? Is... You know, because they, they also wanted to charge them for starting a war. Yeah, yeah, as well as like the actual crimes. Um, you got know, to look up this guy Okawa. He's a fascinating Japanese character. He he was into mysticism and he was a s- student. And he basically was a guy who was just um, drug addicted near the end. And he went into the insane asylum rather than going on trial. So you can learn about him. Rather fascinating. That's what I think I'd do. I'd volunteer for, for, for the insane assignment. Rather than go on the war trials? Yeah, I think so. And one of the things that it points out is how they discovered in all the testimony, there's an element of humanizing the enemy. Mm. Think about that, right? Because you're learning about all the decision-making that's going on, all the power politics... Who was actually saying what? Um, yeah. And then I re- I learned from this, page 190, the Japanese, did you know they were a big narcotics seller in China? Uh, I think I did know that. You might have known that. Yeah. I know the British did, the opium wars. Yeah. But I didn't know that China immediately then started to make profit for the war, was now a big drug dealer. Um, in China, which, of course, itself, you get into the whole rape of Nanking here, you get into these atrocities. And lastly, um, it's only in the middle of the book, I mean, there's just so much more to learn, but the Japanese government formally acknowledged in 1982 that more than 3,000 Allied prisoners of war and Chinese civilians had been used as guinea pigs as biological and medical experiments. Wow. Yeah, it's most regrettable from the point of view of humanity, State Minister Kunio Tanabe told the Diet in in April. Four months later, the Kyoto News Agency reported that behind the bacteriological warfare experiments had been the hope of developing a plague weapon for use in the war against the United States. Japan was lagging in nuclear technology and hoped that would be their one hope. So... That's just some of the stuff I learned and some of the fascinating um, debates about what is a war crime, yeah, right? Yeah. And in context of what? The Kellogg-Briand Act that you signed or in context of international law or, you know, as they all develop the case. So I found it exciting. If any listener wants it, email me and I'll ship it out to you. How did you pick this book out of and where did it come from? It was given to me from Tom Barkalow. Oh, okay. Yeah. And he read it. Yeah. Okay. And recommended it. So. Well, good. I'd pass it on. Thank you, Dave.
Thanks. Well, that's enough culture and things that take a lot of brain work. Yeah. Let's get back to the fun stuff. Let's get back to what's, what's in, in the, the box. Woo, look at this, Jeff. It's yellowish. What could it be? What is what in the box? It's a yellow ASL product from MMP. Gotta love it. Only landing into our hands, thanks to our friends at Ritter, Ritter Creek. Your one-stop ASL shopping, Ritter Creek. Free shipping and providing the two half squads with the product they need to review. Although I didn't feel we needed it so much that I went out and bought it. That's, I'm, I'm, yeah. Something's changing. Yeah. That's good. And... Thank you, Ritter Krieg. First, you get the little pink rectangular sheet. Of course, the ASL starter kit, Pacific Theater of Operations. We at MMP are dedicated to perfection, and customer satisfaction is our number one goal. Our number two goal is pleasing the two half squads. Anything we can do for Jeff and Dave, we will bend over backwards. MMP stands for Bend Over Backwards. How about that? That's really nice. They put their phone number on here. Does it say what you get with this game? You get a box and lid. <laughs> I, I, I love know. how thorough they are. Three 8 by 22 inch maps, which are M, N, and O. Two counter sheets, one rule book, eight scenarios, one folded quick reference data card, two dice, and this pink of, piece of pink paper. <laughs> they are thorough to a fault. And this so, well, this is this is very exciting. It's been a long time since we've seen a starter kit product. Indeed. Yeah. Yeah. And this is rules designed by Ken Dunn. Special thanks to Brian Yaus, Perry Cock, and Kevin Valerian, the usual gang. Um, Klaus Malmstrom helped with the rules, too, along uh, there. And Charlie Kibler did the art for the boards, which were designed by Ken Dunn. And the uh, same guys on the scenarios and cover design is Nicholas Scooby. Is it worthy of a box art review later on in our careers, Jeff? I think so. I think it is. I, I kind of, it caught my eye. And it says, this game contains everything you need to begin playing Advanced Squad Leader. Everything. Everything you need to play ASL is in this, except for an opponent. Yes. You don't get the opponents. No. Got to go find your own proofing. Opponent. We have some familiar names here, Jeff. Yeah, Michael Dorish. Yeah, Jackson Kwan, Klaus Malmstrom. Yeah, Joe, our old friend Joe's on here. All of our very, very dear, 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 dear people. Yeah, J.R. Tracy. We interviewed him. So the rule book. How many pages in this rule book? Looks like about, oh, let's say 36. The pages aren't numbered? 36. Okay. <laughs> okay. The back of the rule book is actually a page of the rule book. They didn't waste any time yeah. with a cover on this thing. Right. They just got down to business. Right. No cover, no back cover. Uh, it's got your Chapter H notes. Uh-huh. For vehicles, guns. Yeah, of course, this is... Who's in this package, Jeff? What nationality? That would be the Japanese and the Americans, I'm guessing. There's some Marines, I believe, in here. So, if you want to 
tell us what kind of rules we find. And as you may know, for those people that don't know, the each starter kit is adds on to the previous one. I don't know that that's going to be the case with this one, but so starter kit one pretty much just covered infantry. Starter kit two added guns, mm-hmm. so it was infantry and guns. Starter kit three included tanks and other vehicles, so AFVs. So it was guns and infantry and tanks. You're welcome. Now you're yes. Starter kit four, I'm guessing, uh, may not may not include tanks if they're in the back. Uh, they have possible. them on that. On I the guess we'll know when chapter we, H. When yeah, we look yeah, they the, do. Oh, they you do. said chapter H, didn't you? With the tanks and guns, there okay. expl- explanations so it's, it's in the very back page. Yeah. Okay. Great. So, terrain specific, specifically Pacific terrain. Yes. So that will be new for the players. You'll have things like, uh, well, what can you actually? Let's see if they do show. They include bamboo they, of all things, or I see. You know, some of that's pretty complicated. No, I don't see bamboo. I see woods, woods, roads, orchards, grain, brush. Wait, that's normal stuff. Yeah. Where's the Pacific? They have and, a counter for caves, so they must be going whoa, insane on that it. Is I, I can't nuts. imagine. A star kit with caves? So in the rules, they have highlighted things that are new with this version, with, oh, the, with right this up. issue, number four. So ambush was not seen in the first Or three. maybe um, uh, probably the Japanese rules for ambush, where they get to do the hiding and all that. No. Just ambush. Maybe so. Yeah, possible. Bonsai charge, of course, would be new because mm-hmm. the Germans did very little of that. <laughs> Concealment. Apparently. No, I was always in there. All right, here. You look no, through maybe this. It was. Can, <laughs> I'll grab my chapter well, threes. I mean my uh, uh, do you have starter kit one? Starter kit three. Oh, that's okay, that's brilliant. While he's looking, it's right here in this box labeled Starter Kit 3. Uh, and you opened it already? I did. doesn't have any resale value then. Little care you know, for that. Jeff, I think you're, you might be right. Although Imagine the concealment. That. It's only November, and finally I'm right about something. Well, I think once everybody masters this stuff, they'll be ready for full ASL. Kit three, here it is. Of course, the reduced strength for Japanese, which... There's no ambush in starter kit three. Look at that. How about concealment, though? There is no concealment in starter kit three. Wow, okay. I just, I'm sorry, I questioned you. How about that? Sometimes you don't, don't it always seem to go that you you don't know what you've got until they <laughs> highlight it in pink? You don't know what you didn't have yeah. until they highlight yes, it in pink. Yes, right. That's, I've been no, doing that Normal task check, though, on NTC? I guess. PTO is in here. Reduce strength for the Japanese. So how does that work? Step reduction and reduce strength. Yeah, instead of 
breaking, they step reduce. Which means sort they... Of. They flip to the other side with a slightly lower firepower and lower mon- morale. So it's not quite a half squad. It's no. a reduced strength squad. Yeah. Um, here, do you want to continue your new stuff? New so, stuff. So yeah, and then they go to half squads, so they have great ability to keep coming at you. Now, I've said that. Where's the counter sheet? Well, yeah, I'm very simple, very basic. Yep, red side, or some people call it striped. Elites. You get three elite squads for the Japanese. Yeah, a dozen or so first line and a dozen or so second line. Actually make that eight. Six conscripts, so just enough to get going. And the Americans, including the Marines and some regular Americans, elites, leaders, looking for Hal at Kleinschmidt, Hal at Kleinschmidt, no. Noguera, we know him. Sweeney, I know him. Banta. Morin, we know Morin. So you've got um, uh, Marines there? Yes. And you've got Japanese. Yes, and a, a little added some Americans IPA. in there, which are already in the IJA. start. IJA, not IPA. Yep. And two dice. you got to have dice. So that's interesting because there there aren't any Russians. Is that right? Correct. Although they did fight the they, Japanese. They do have in here a Russian rally phase example. Oh, well, you have Russians in your other... In the other kits. Maybe they have a scenario with Russians in it. Maybe they do. We'll have to see. In any case, I would say if you're going to get starter kit four, you may as well get one, two, and three as well. Oh, yes. I think you... Stop being so cheap. Just order it all. <laughs> Who goes just for four? MMP needs the money. Order all the stuff. We need to interview Perry again. He's he's on designing so many of these scenarios. Yeah, so very complete rule book as you would imagine. Not too much pink highlighted here. Here in the prep fire phase, there's a pink highlight over remove the CX counter, if any, from the firing unit. Okay. Well, now that you have concealment counters, yeah. you could have double-time counters, but you always had double-time. CX counters, yeah. Possibly intensive fire. I see that highlighted here. Anyway, they do their usual good job with lots of examples of route phase and first fire final fire, etc. What's in the blue box down on the right there? Uh, route phase summary. It's always helpful. <laughs> yeah. Really. Route seems easy, but when you read that comprehensive route example from the original game, you realize it's not. But they've got the word only highlighted in pink here. <laughs> oh, so it's probably... A... The sentence reads, may route if under DM counter. That's all in just in the blue, but they put in pink may route only if under DM counter. So I don't know. I would have to kind of compare this to the rules in the prior version and see if they left out some of these details. Yeah, I'm still inter- interested. We, we didn't look that carefully, if I remember, through Starter Kit 3. It kind of came... We were not as enamored with the Starter Kits at that time as we were We were more so with 1 and 2, I think. Yeah, probably, Yeah, as to how they were different, right? Yeah. And then after that, it's just kind of... right. 
I'm still interested in the terrain types. They're not introducing. No, there's no there's no list. jungle. No, there has to be. Okay. Okay, no, I'm going to believe you again. But they have cave counters in here. But you know what? Those could be a rule, special scenario rule for a scenario. Oh, that could be. Could be. Yeah, because they don't list cave in the definitions. Yeah, which is interesting, but... Well, as we um, go through the scenarios, that might reveal some more. Yeah. What they're after. Yeah. yeah, I'm reading the back here quick, too. Pacific Theater of Operations. It lists jungles, islands, and the atolls, but that's just where they fought in the Pacific. Okay, well... Let's take a look at the counter sheets. Hello. I think we looked at the infantry. It's your standard infantry with the concealments. Mm -hmm. um, you got some stuns, shocks, motion, DM, first fire, prep fires, the usual, some um, weapon... Breakage, malfunction counters. The vehicles now, Japanese. Some more Americans. Are there some uh, American <clears throat> vehicles there? Open top vehicles? There is a uh, M8, yes. Okay, I think that's our first introduction in the starter kits to open top vehicles. Oh, because it's uh, in pink? It's in pink. Oh, there's the train. Oh, there is we it go. In the back. Okay, that's why. Bamboo, it is here. Palm All right. And palm trees and huts. Okay, I don't know why no I caves? that would be up front, but uh, caves. Let's see, cave, la cave. I don't see caves here. Now you have a big picture with a drawing, maybe. Smoke counters in here, bogs. Backside of the caves are two counters that are labeled open ground. So I guess if you have some clear some terrain, you can lay that out there to cover stuff up that's not going to be there. For some reason or the other, yeah. The I have the terrain effects chart. Okay. Does it have caves on there? No. Okay. Collapsed huts and huts. Kunai, boy, they must have simplified the hut rules. Those seem complicated to me. Yeah. Palm trees, roads, bamboo, jungle road, dense jungle, light jungle. Yep. Some normal stuff, it looks like. Hills, wooden buildings. Yeah, no, it's just... And the normal fire table, so you get all the stuff you need to play the normal game, too. Okay, so maps. You have a map there? I have map N. Wow, what is it? Which is loaded with jungle. Lots of jungle otherwise known as woods, if we're not in the Pacific. Uh, it's pretty much jungle from top to bottom. One long road? With a one long road running through it. A uh, little bit of kunai there in the upper quadrant. No huts or no no buildings of any type on this. Yeah, there aren't a lot of boards like that, actually. Yeah. Um, Hakapale's one board was that big wooded board that was so unique. I have O. O, again, you have a lot of jungle. You have some hills and uh, some huts over here and a little village on the side. 
orchard, kunai, and you have a road that runs kind of like a Y shape over all up on the hill. Look at that. Oh, yeah. So it just kind of oh, runs along cool. like the ridge line or the hill and then back down to the open ground off the board on the side. So I think that's a little unique mm-hmm. to have this yeah. like octopus arm-shaped hill with a road on it going different directions. M? Then M is uh, much less oh. jungle, but there's a hill sort of in the center of the board. It's kind of cool how the road splits off, goes yeah. around the hill on both sides, and then comes back together. It's that like, uh, is just when you think they can't make any kind of new design on yeah. the board. That's really cool. And both roads lead to grandmother's house, apparently. <laughs> and then there's some uh, buildings on the north end of this board. I'll call it the north end. Some kunai. The hill has some kunai on it. And orchard and a couple of buildings. Otherwise, it's a pretty wide open hill. Yeah. So that could be uh, kind of unique, too, to fight over. Yeah. Looks like fun with or an exit on. and an entrance east and west. Yeah, I think that's on most boards because that's kind of where the... Well, see how they use little yeah. road oh, ends. Yeah, this one with the road ends, right. Nice. So these are very nice mm. addition to your collection of boards. If, you, if you're if you just going to buy the starter kit four for the boards, we wouldn't blame you a bit. Well, I have saw us look at the scenarios here. Yeah. Um, boy. Kawaguchi's Gamble can done. I swear this is already a scenario, Jeff. With this title, I think you're right. I th- oh, that's interesting. Think, I mean, yeah. I think it's from that Pacific historical game, historical study. Oh, on Guadalcanal, Edson's Ridge, and this is taking. Yep, Mrs. Henderson Field on Guadalcanal. So Kawaguchi's Gamble. Wonder if I could search that on Roar. I'm sure you could. And uh, though this says. Uh, Eight infantry, crew, a gun, an AA gun. Ten egg, two, nine egg, two leaders. The Americans are whopping some good leadership, boy. And against 13 Japanese squads, and two crews. Now, the thing with the Japanese is typically the crews man the machine guns. The mediums are heavies. Right. Not, not squads. Yes. And this kind of, just a quick look again. I could do a deep look later, but... Um, Japanese make a die roll after game turn one, and each non-hip good order American MMC not stacked with a good American leader must take a normal morale check. I wonder what that represents. Um, once per game after turn two, the American player may make a die roll at the start of the Japanese prep fire phase. A result less than the current turn number. Any Japanese unit stacked with a 10 neg one leader may take no action during that game turn except routing. Or attacking and defending in close combat. And they're trying to clear the Americans off level hill hacks. That's O. Board O is that O had the big hill, I'm wondering, or no, it's the um the board with the road along the the hill, the scraggly little Oh yeah, hill. the scraggly. So yeah. that would be sixty five I have. Take it back. It takes place on board O again. Uh, more in the middle part. Uh, all infantry with a mortar for Japanese, eight of them against uh, two different groups of American para marine battalion and first raider battalion, entering turn one and turn two again four and a half turns. So that's these are all pretty short and tight to play. PTO terrain. 
There's a hexes or victory hexes, and then um, Japanese hip. They get a lot of hip. Hit initial placement. Hmm. Always fun. And that's that one. It's real simple action in Guadalcanal, west of Lunga Ridge. Do you have 66? 66, Bailey's Bridge, designed by Perry. Takes place in Guadalcanal in September of 1942. And again, as a lot of these are, it's just um, infantry, Japanese infantry against the Americans. There's nine Japanese squads against... 13 Americans. Both sides have mortars. There's some special rules here, but this this action takes place on board N, which was this heavily jungled. Yeah. With no buildings on it at all. And the road running straight through the This center. would be a good one to learn jungle rules. There's a few special rules on here, nothing too bad, but it, it's more regarding, uh, let's see, oh, it, there's a footbridge running across one of these does it convert something to a river, maybe? Yeah, I think so. Well, I won't dwell on this, but um, the American leaders are considered raiders, which is nice. So raiders get a neg, they get a neg one on ambush. Is that all they get? Could be special rules for this. Yeah, they're yeah. not that special. No offense, raiders, but they're not that special like uh, other types of um, squads in ASL. So a good way to learn your jungle rules would be Bailey's Bridge. And then on the flip side, yeah, it has to convert that to a river. Seven, yeah. Otherwise, why would you have a bridge? Uses Bordeaux, that one you were just talking about. Half, half of Bordeaux. Not Bordeaux, but Bordeaux. <laughs> Again, just uh, infantry against infantry. PTO terrain is in effect. In effect, Japanese may not set up hip. And again, American units are raiders. I think people will really enjoy these. So how many scenarios did we get? Were there six? Or were there... Do you have more there? More coming. Eight. Oh, okay. Um, Eight. Kawaguchi's okay. Gamble is listed only as Starter Kit 64. Okay. Maybe there's a different Kawaguchi. Something not Kawaguchi's here, something not here at all. Interesting. Huh. Okay. Um, oh, is it the name of a different game that MMP sells? Possibly. I wonder... I got 68. End of their rope, Burma. The picture's been used before, I swear. I swear. How much I'll be wrong about that. I don't know. I think I've seen that picture before on a scenario card. Um, I'm not sure. Uh, May 1944, Burma. Americans have to control more buildings than the on board O, and there's O and M together, half of each. And so that puts the Americans attacking... With the elite, oh, these are Merrill's Marauders. Yeah, yeah, Merrill's Marauders. ELR of two. Why? Well, Japanese ELR of four, because, of course, they're a little more fanatic, certainly at this point. And um, Japanese have a concealed group setting up in one area and then some entering on turn three. American units cannot double time on the first turn. In close combat, American units automatically considered CX for all purposes, including ambush. Maybe they're rushing into this combat. In the first action of the rally phase, the American player turned the American tending to leader must take a one patsy PTC. The only possible result 
if failed is for the leader to be pinned. So yeah, they must be suffering. Yeah, they go here racked by malaria, malnutrition, and dysentery after months of tough combat. The men of Galahad were at the end of their rope. That's why it's called the end of their rope. Yeah. So that explains the ELR of two. Probably the end of their toilet paper rations as well. (laughs) Such great elite units as Merrill's Marauders. And 69, Stovepipe Funeral by Vincent Maresca uh, near in Saipan, 1944. Japanese win. They get six unbroken squads within two hexes of of a hex. Each mobile tank counts as two squad equivalents, so you want to protect your armor, I suppose. Americans got three bazookas. They have um, the 6th Marine Regiment coming on. Marines are powerful, my friends, if you haven't played them yet, and this is your introduction. Try a 7.68 for the firepower, uh, yeah. range, and morale. 7.68. No more of those pathetic 6.66s. No offense to first line American squads um, intended. The Japanese six turn scenario have the 43rd Infantry Division and some tanks. Get I, your I'm jihaz. not going to say it. I'm not going to say it. Jihaz, you're welcome. <laughs> Coming in. And no special rules, Jeff. You'd love this one. Oh, sweet. It's just, just light jungle, PTO, and then no buildings or even huts. So you don't even have to mess with that. Quick action on board M, or if you look at it wrong, it looks like E. Oh, yes. I've got that as well. I've got Scenario 70, A Sideshow Affair by Ken Dunn, and this uses E and N. And this uses those 666s that you were (laughs) just dissing so rudely. Uh, 13 of those. And... Seven half squads against, uh, let's see, 11 <clears throat> squads of Japanese. Now, on this one, the Japanese have caves. They have two cave counters. There you go. That has so, to be a special rule. Yes, it is. So there is a special rule about caves, so it doesn't go on for pages and pages. It just kind of gives you <laughs> the basics of what you need to know here to use the caves. What you read it? you where I, to place them. You want I, me to read it? Yeah, I'd be fascinated. Okay. Hexes MV7 and MX3 are cave hexes in which no building exists. Mark each hex with a cave counter. Each hex also contains a separate cave location that has a plus 2 TEM. Cost the Japanese two movement factors to enter, only from an adjacent ground level hex or the connection location, and cannot be entered by American units. So Americans cannot go into these caves. That cuts out a lot of... Rules right there. Place units in a cave location under the cave counter. Treat them as being in a different hex for all purposes other than area target type attack that has a line of sight to the cave location. There's no line of sight between a hill hex and a cave location, which is treated as being at ground level for line of sight purposes. No close combat attack is allowed by or against units in a cave location. It goes on. I'm going to read the rest. Um, that gives me a good general idea okay. of what they've cut out of it. And yeah, uh, it says here. Well, I'm going to read it anyway. I guess. Yeah, go ahead. A pseudo off map hex, <coughs> a cave location, exists between cave locations. Remove any units in the connection location from the map and secretly record them. They are 
unaffected by any on-map unit, and vice versa. Units may enter the connection location from a cave location as their sole action during the movement phase. So in other words, if they're traveling between the two cave entrances, they're really, they're taken off map and they're considered in this sort of area. area yeah, in the caves. In the caves, yeah. yeah. If both cave locations are eliminated, so are all units that are in the connection location. So just you know, just by virtue of having the caves, that's going to add a little little fun something to this scenario. Uh, the Japanese also have three infantry guns, and the Americans have a couple of those uh, M MA-43 tanks. So this looks fun, a sideshow affair. 71, American Devil, <clears throat> takes place in uh, Luzon, the Philippines. American Devil. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so this one a little bit bigger, 11 American squads, 666 squads, along with three vehicles and an AT gun going against 14 Japanese units. And they also, they have a, a nice contingent of eight vehicles. Wow, that's a lot. And some DC. And yeah, there's a lot going on with this. This uses board E and O. Not E-I-E-I-O. That's the farm board. Uh, very easy special rules. I won't go through it. I think we've run long enough on this. So Okay. I can do a deep dive later. And What else? We've covered everything in that pack? We covered everything in the pack. That's a lot of stuff. Yeah, some people complained it's a little higher in price than the other starter kits. So oh, is that like right? instead of thirty, I think it's like sixty. Oh yeah, that is a lot. We're lucky we have such a good sponsor in Ritter Krieg. Because Ritter Krieg will send it to you with uh, no shipping charge. That's right. You gotta get all your games there. So order a bunch of stuff from Ritter Krieg to make it worth his while, and he will ship it to you with no additional charges. That's pretty sweet. It is. Would you recommend this, Jeff, for starter kit players? Yeah, it looks like fun. It'd be fun to play one of these. Yeah, I'm thinking, how can how can you not? Yeah, oh, really. It's the Japanese are unique. Yeah. I've thoroughly enjoyed playing the Pacific. Yeah, it's the cut, map. The maps look like the, fun. The maps look unique. Really fun. Yep. Yeah, and Kawaguchi's Gamble is a game. It's an area move game from MMP. Oh, That's okay. Where I was That's thinking where we're I'd swear we'd seen it somewhere else, yeah. but who knows? All okay. right. Well, I think thanks that, everybody. That wraps up this episode. Oh, coming up, we actually do know a little bit. Next up should be eventually defensive fire rules. We don't think we ever got to right. and machine guns, which we don't think we ever covered. Yeah, actually. I guess not. Hard to believe. So that'll be fun. Until then. Lots of good stuff coming up, folks. Roll low, everybody. And rally well. But not, but not when, when you're, you're playing, playing us. us. Bye-bye. Ta-dee-da. Sayonara. Arrivederci.